Hello, hello, everybody. Hi, Peter. Hi, you there? Can you hear me okay? I am here. I hear you just fine. And welcome, everyone, to the podcast with Peter Rigato. We are so excited to share together with you. Peter is a dear friend of mine. He is also the president of Southern Nevada's InfraGuard chapter and has a strategic consulting practice on risk management. Peter, um, first, thank you for coming and joining us. My pleasure. And today we want to we help people dive into the, uh, the importance of communication and how they can be better at communicating so that tomorrow will be better for them than today. And so you are obviously accomplished, have had uh, much success under your belt, and I'm sure that you have lots of stories uh, about times when you had poor communication and how that turned out. And then also times where communication was good and the results were fantastic. So first, let's just talk a little bit about your, just in general, how communication has helped you with your life in, in work, your work life. Well, you know, as a top line performer, um, Communications is the core essential um, skill that you really have to hone because uh, if you can't communicate to your customers, your market, uh, you can't you can't conduct business. It's that simple, actually. So um, communications for me, working in uh, high technology companies that um have recently ipo'd uh we were under a tremendous pressure for performance by our uh our shareholders uh, the big investors like goldman sachs morgan stanley folks like that who put a lot of money in these kind of companies um i had to um understand the dynamics of communicating up the channel and down the channel and across the channel so that is kind of a multifaceted approach to communications not only did I have to communicate to the customers, but I had to communicate to my people back at headquarters, our, um, our production people, our finance people, our legal people. Uh, when I touched a deal, usually some of the scope of the revenues that I could bring in in a single deal could range anywhere between 25 million to $40 million. And when you do that, you have to have um, a real good idea set about communications across the entire spectrum of stakeholders. Without that, you um, are really going to struggle. So I learned through the process of osmosis, if you will, early in my career, how important communication up and down and across the channel really are. That's great. Yeah. So mostly learning from others, are you saying? I had great mentors. I, I really did. Uh, they had initiated training back, you know, uh, in the 70s and 80s as the Valley was really starting to boom. It was not um, untypical for us to be um, uh, vetted to do this kind of work. And what I mean by that, there was uh, personality profiles, IQ tests, things like that mentoring that they wanted to give top line performers because um, we had to carry the ball all the way to the marketplace. And um, the, the need to do that 
was core to the success of the companies, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the way that uh, I was compensated particularly was, uh, you know, just I wasn't a salaried guy at all, really, some, but mostly it was commissions and bonuses and stock. And so a lot of my uh, income was really predicated on performance that could help our earnings per share. So that that kind of uh, training was essential. We had some fantastic people. They had sent in people from Stanford University, uh, all these psychologists, uh, folks that understood the dynamics of uh, the A-team players. Um, I was lucky. I was very lucky to, to have that particular time. I call it I call it my Camelot. <laughs> that was <laughs> that's what it, that's really what it was. And so that's real interesting because on the job, when you have a financial uh, reward for improving, it makes it all the more impressive for people to say, wow, I have a strong desire to improve because the better I am, the more money I make. So that's, that is definitely important. What about how it relates to your personal life? Because we know that in modern times, they go hand in hand. The better you are professionally, it helps you. The skills you learn in that area can help you at home and with your friendships and your other, you know, your community involvement. So how, how do you think um, the things you learned for work and for creating an income have helped you and that you can still use them today now with your personal relationships? Well, you know, um, you're right. They, they do help quite a bit. You learn to listen and you go into what I call intake mode. And that's so important, particularly in personal relationships. Uh, I've got a great wife, great daughter, and the communication with them is essential to keep, you know, the, the family, um, you know, fully engaged and uh, we have um, such a network of people that we share, uh, both on a, prefer- a professional and personal level. So the ability to communicate, listen, understand, and take time to digest. Don't just come back to somebody right away with an immediate answer. You know, you can always say, look, can I think about that for a while? There's some dynamics here I really want to kind of chew on and better understand and and, and let's let's get back together on the subject. And I found that to be a very useful approach to um, making sure that the channels of communication are very clear and well understood. You you really hit the nail on the head because the more I dive into communication and helping people with leadership and and communication the more I realize how important listening is and empathy too, because oftentimes if someone is forced to listen, it kind of goes in one ear and out the other. It's like they hear, but they don't really listen even when they're trying. And so, you know, I don't know, some people it's natural. Like for me, it was natural to be an empath. I mean, I don't know if it has to do with my childhood or if I was just born that way, but I tend to sometimes to, uh, it's to my detriment, care more about what the other person's uh, point of view is and what would make them happy <laughs> than myself. But it can be learned. You can teach people how to be more empathetic, how to listen better. And so with that in mind, have you lately done, you know, helped anyone else to be better at listening or communicating? Well, you know, I, I have benefited from... Um... A lot of that. Uh, and, you know, 
in my current role as president of InfraGuard, uh, this is a role that you're elected to. So you, you're not just assigned to it or chosen for it. You act, well, you're chosen, but you're chosen by a membership of nearly a thousand people. And you have to establish a credibility and a sensibility and a style uh, and yeah, an empathy to um, all the circumstances that are around you. And I try to convey that to my board and even my clients about, you know, standing back out of it all and looking in uh, and, and looking at, at the universe from the 50,000 foot level and then getting micro. OK, but trying to get a handle on the whole picture. And I found that advice that I give to others is very useful, uh, especially if they're out and dealing with autocratic environments. And believe me, I dealt with some of the toughest CEOs in the world that I reported to during my time. And uh, these folks aren't necessarily all that empathetic. I'll tell you that. <laughs> if you this have is to, hard for type A people to have that, it, that skill. It is, it is. And I had to learn that. I, I had to really kind of learn to, you know, um, back off a little bit and and look at the other person's view, even if I didn't agree with it. Mm -hmm. And I still not may not agree with it, uh, either from a business standpoint or a personal standpoint. But, you know, you got to have a mutual respect for each other's point of view as long as you don't lose sight of the goal. And you have to be able to um, navigate through different personalities, different set of circumstances, different dynamics, and lead a team to the objective, even though you may not have folks that totally agree with your approach. And you, but they got to be heard too. Mm -hmm. So that so is that how you get them to all be on board? Is just make sure that everyone feels valuable and that they're heard. I do. I'm kind of dealing with with a, a circumstance like that, like that. We have some things to do, um, and there's a tone to be set. And uh, in order to take something to another level, um, in fact, I have a board meeting coming up this Friday, and I'm going to be able to convey a vision. That's that's the most important thing. I mean, if you're going to lead teams, you better have a vision that's very crystal clear to everybody. And if it isn't, you could either sidebar with the individuals or the individual and clarify your vision. Because if um, folks don't galvanize around the vision, then they don't have a leader, right? Yeah. So you have to be able to convey that and be effective in uh, being able to uh, make sure that you have good alignment with your personnel. And that's a lot of what I do. Um, for not only, you know, my role as chairman of the board, but also uh, as um, an advisor to clients that are looking to me to provide them some guidance and some alternative courses of actions that they're going to have to consider. Exactly. And, you know, I, I'm reminded of that expression that everybody wants to hop on a train that's going somewhere. <laughs> so as far as your uh, ideas about clarifying your vision. If it doesn't sound like somewhere people want to go, they're not going to hop on board. And then you have a really hard time corralling them and getting them, you know, to be all in. So clarity, clarity, clarity. I know when I was teaching writing, I would say ABC, accuracy, brevity, and clarity. Mm. And so that applies also to leading a team, right? 
It certainly does. And particularly um, international teams. I had responsibility for folks in Europe, uh, Middle East, um, Southeast Asia. And, you know, I had to keep these teams very well motivated and on the single course objectives that we were setting for that particular year or that particular quarter. And uh, boy, that can be challenging. You have different languages, different cultures, uh, different behavioral dynamics that you've got to take into account. But with all of that said, you've got to lead the charge and make sure that uh, the folks that are on board with you are supporting you. And don't be afraid to delegate that. You know, make sure that they're inspired enough to take, uh, you know, to take the next steps, make their best judgment and be prudent. And that's the thing that is often left out about communication is the word trust. Yeah. You've got to have trust. And if you don't have trust, then, you know, you're going to be fighting an uphill battle. That is so true. I remember, you know, if we think back on the best uh, team leaders we had when we were in a team, for me, it is the ones that said, you're the expert in your field. I trust you to do this. Yeah. And then they, they let you do it. They don't micromanage. The worst leaders I've had were the ones who had their little clipboard in hand and were trying to catch you do something wrong. I think that is one of the worst management styles that there is, but there are a lot of leaders out there that are doing it wrong. So you're right. I would agree with you on that hundred percent. Trust really matters. So how, how do you build that trust when you have that diversity of different cultures and different languages? How, how do you manage that? That I would think would take empathy. Well, it does. But for me, it was a credibility. Um, I okay. was a noted top performer in my field. Um, I had accomplished things that certainly got me on the boards of uh, recognition from, um, you know, the senior executive team I reported to, and I had won their trust, but also, you know, along with the credibility by performing. And so I'm, my particular style is to lead from the front. Uh, and you know, to your point a few minutes ago about some um, management styles that are more passive aggressive that don't lead from the front. I don't agree with that. That's not my style. Uh, it, it's hard to motivate people when uh, you can say, you know, do as I say, but not what I do. Uh, yeah. you know, for me, it was always setting an example and, and leading out in front and saying, look, you know, if I can do it, you pretty much can do it. Right. Um, and just set the example. Exactly. Exactly. Matter of fact, that um, negative uh, style actually demotivates because I remember I was self-motivated and I would always do go above and beyond the call of duty. But with someone there looking to catch you do things wrong, it almost it, it, it almost interfered with my ability to go above and beyond. You know what I sure. mean? Sure. It, it happens yeah. a lot, particularly in large organizations. I call it the fishbowl. And you get in there and there's all kind of five sims, interdepartmental, uh, especially in large organizations that um, things can be a little complex. Uh, we used a particular management scheme um, in the Valley because we had so many moving pieces. It was a matrix management um, structure. And in matrix management, you have folks that are stakeholders, but uh, and in charge of a particular program, but yet they have no authority over a functional group. 
like uh, engineering or accounting. And so uh, those, some of those folks struggled and I saw them and I would go help them about, you know, let's circle back to the functional manager, the functional team. Let's clarify the objective because I was counting on these people to make uh, my objectives. And right. often they're not very well trained or they're put in that position because they might have a technical expertise, but the uh, interpersonal skills aren't very well developed. And I think you've got to really have strong interpersonal skills if you're going to lead large teams, particularly international teams. So would you say that would be one of the most important things, interpersonal skills? Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Well, I am so excited that you joined us today. Um, how can people get a hold of you? Maybe they'd be interested in in um, working with you and having you consult them. How would they get a hold of you? Uh, well, you can email me. It's a P Rugato, P R U G A T O at opalfirellc.com. And that's spelled O P A L F I R E L L C.com. And I'd be happy to. Um, uh, to speak or chat with anybody that uh, would be interested in knowing a little bit more about what I do and some of the techniques that I've used to help me achieve my objectives. That's great. And Peter, I want to thank you not only on a professional level, but also on a personal level. You have become a dear friend oh, yeah. to me yes, and so. I'm very happy to have met you. <laughs> oh, well, you're awesome, Laura. You keep doing what you're doing, okay? Because you're, you're, you're you. touching people, you're inspiring people. And that's so important. And that's that's the, you know, that's the thing you bring to your your practice, your communications, and your and your empathic ability. So keep up the good work, my friend. You're awesome. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Peter. My pleasure. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye.